This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate your tuning in to watch today. Some of you may be watching for the first time. Maybe you were just surfing through the channels and you found Getting to Know Your Bible. Will you stay, stay, please stay with us today? Continue to watch today. We're going to talk about some of life's great essentials today. There are some things we can do without, but there are some things in life that are absolutely essential. Please stay tuned. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course and that you might know more about the course and that you might know how you can study this course we want to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading now from the book of Hebrews, the ninth chapter and verse 22. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Many of you that are watching our telecast now grew up hard. I've had people to tell me that, that Brother Lambert, when, when I was young, we grew up hard. We had no conveniences. We had very little money. We had very few clothing. And, and, and we did not have very much of anything. Some of you that are watching right now may have survived the Great Depression. One thing I have noted about those who have told me about the Great Depression, those people are very thrifty with the money they have and how they use that money. I've had people to tell me, Brother Lambert, we were poor and we didn't even know we were poor. We, we did not have indoor plumbing. We had no radio. We, of course, we had no television. We did not even have electric lights. We had no automobile. Of course, we had no computer. There was no iPhone. There was no iPad. We didn't take vacations. We didn't own stylish clothes. Very seldom would we even go to the grocery store. And of course, there was no Walmarts. You see, they had to do without. Unlike today, many now have every convenience you can imagine. They may still have it hard in a lot of ways, but 
that compared to the way that people lived many years ago, they have it easy today. You see, we've got conveniences today. Most homes have one or more televisions. They have computers, iPhones. The children have games that they play. And so we're not deprived of very many things today. Some want it all, and they want it right now. You know, I began to think about the fact that we possibly could do without a lots of the things that we think that we must have. We could really do without those things. But then I also began to think about some things that we cannot do without. And I'm going to refer to these things as the essentials of life. Now, in order that we might have true happiness, that we might have peace, and that we might have hope for the future, these things are absolutely essential. Now, the first thing that I want us to observe is that you cannot be forgiven your sins without the blood of Christ. That's essential number one, the blood of Christ. Listen to this passage again. Without shedding of blood is no remission. Without shedding of blood is no remission. When Jesus shed his blood, it was a case of the innocent dying for the guilty. You know, blood is a common theme that runs throughout the Bible. Think about how many times we read about blood being shed in the Bible. Think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And when they sinned, they knew it. And they tried to cover up their sin with leaves. But God made them coats of skin and covered their nakedness. And in order to cover their nakedness, animals had to die. That blood was shed. It was a case of the innocent suffering for the guilty. Also in the Old Testament, we read about Cain and, and how he shed the blood of his brother. It was a case of the innocent having his blood shed because of the man who was guilty. And then also in the Old Testament, there was the uh, children of Israel in the land of Egypt crying out for deliverance. And finally, God instructed them to take the blood of a lamb, put it on the lintel and doorpost of their houses. And God said, when I see that blood, I'm going to pass over you. Blood was shed that they might de be delivered from bondage. It was a case of the innocent suffering for the guilty. And the people of Israel were not guilty. It was because of Pharaoh's enslaving the people that they were begging God and pleading with God to deliver them from bondage. And then also in the Old Testament, we read about the offering of the blood of animals to atone for sin. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter to the most holy place and he would offer the blood of an animal for the, his sins, the sins of his family, and for the sins of the people. Also, there would be a goat killed for, as an offering for sin. 
And then there would be a goat upon whom he would confess the sins of the people on the head of that goat and send that goat out into the wilderness, as it were, bearing the sins away. You see, in the Old Testament, blood was shed because of sin. Blood was shed because someone was guilty. But what about today? Look at our text again. Without shedding of blood is no remission. Our sins cannot be forgiven without blood. The blood of Jesus Christ is essential, number one. It is absolutely essential in the cleansing of our sins. In Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 1, the prophet said, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. Because of sin, Jesus went to the cross and the fountain open was not a fountain of water, a fountain of blood flowing from the side of our Lord while he was hanging upon the cross of Calvary. His blood was shed for the sins of the whole human family. Our Lord in Matthew 26 and verse 28 said, For this is my blood. It's not the blood of an animal. It's not the blood of an ox or a goat or a sheep. This is my blood, my blood, which was shed for many for the, sin, for, for the remission of sins. When Jesus shed his blood upon the cross of Calvary, that blood was shed to save people from their sins. In Colossians 1 verse 14, there the apostle wrote, in whom we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins. Sins are forgiven by blood. And without blood, there is no remission. You know, in, in John 1, 29, the statement is made, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus was God's Lamb. He was the Lamb that was offered as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Behold, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. In Revelation 13 verse 8, where Jesus is referred to as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary because of our sins. And for our sins to be forgiven, for our sins to be cleansed, for our sins to be washed away, we must come in contact with that precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to Revelation 1, chapter 1, verse 5. Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The only way that our sins can ever be washed away is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we cannot have our sins forgiven without the blood of Jesus Christ. Money cannot take away our sins. 
So sometimes there are wealthy people who think that if they give a lot of money to the, some religious organization, that, that somehow that when it comes their time to, to tra- cross over to the other side, God's going to say, everything is well because you, you gave a lot of money to some religious organization. Folks, I want you to know that your salvation cannot be bought with money. It cannot be bought with money. Peter said in 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. Folks, you can't buy your salvation. And so without the blood of Christ, there is no salvation. Without the blood of Christ, there is no remission. Now, our, our rich ancestry is not going to save your soul. I think I've seen people who thought that because Grandpa was a preacher and Grandma was a child of God, that some way or other, when I stand before God on the day of judgment, He's going to say, well, you know, your grandparents were really godly people. So you just go right on into heaven and you just enjoy yourself for all eternity. Let me tell you, a rich ancestry will not take away your sins. In John 8, 32, Jesus said, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And the people said, We're Abraham's seed. We're the children of Abraham. And we've never been in bondage to any man. And you tell us we're going to be made free? Well, they thought that because they had Abraham as an ancestor, that everything was going to be all right. Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you're going to be free indeed. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ to free us from the bondage of sin. Well, someone says, you know, Brother Lambert, I've got some awfully powerful connections. I've got connections. You know, that's, that's sort of what makes the world go around sometimes, isn't it? People having powerful connections. They say, I know people in high places. Well, you may know all of the people in all of the high places and the low places. But I want you to know one thing. Having powerful connections will not help you when you face God in the judgment. You'll have to have met Jesus and you will have to have had your sins washed away in his precious blood. When you think about someone had some powerful connections, I think about Saul of Tarsus. And he became the one we call the Apostle Paul. Well, he had powerful connections. Absolutely. He was a Pharisee. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And he had to persecute those who were of the way. He persecuted Christians. He was part and parcel of the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr of whom we read in Acts chapter 7. You talk about a man with powerful connections with the Jewish people. He had them. But he learned that those powerful connections would not save his soul. He wrote about his past in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, who was before a persecutor and a blasphemer and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. Boy, he had the connections but he found out that he had to have a connection with somebody else, and that was Jesus. And so you see, it is only the blood that can cleanse us. Somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, I've done a lot of good things in my life. I've been good to people. 
I, I've tried to help people that were in need. I, I, I'm good to my neighbors. I, I've even loaned people that money, and, and I tell them, don't, don't worry about paying me back. I've done a lot of good things. Don't you think that's going to count when I stand before God at last? You see, it's a wonderful thing that you have been charitable and kind and good. And I would encourage that. But friend, when you stand before the Lord on the day of judgment, it's going to matter what you've done about your sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. It's going to take the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to, to, to cleanse you of your sin. All of the good things that we can do We'll never put God in such a position that God owes us salvation. Titus 3 and 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He has saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's going to take the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away and cleanse us of our sins. So all of the good things we do are not going to save us. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man shall boast. There are different kinds of works that are mentioned in the Bible, and the work that is being mentioned here in Ephesians chapter 2 are works of merit. There is nothing that you will ever do to cause God to owe you salvation. Now we read about work in the Bible, which is the equivalent of works of faith and works of obedience to God. And that's what saves us. But we're not going to work our way to heaven. You're going to be saved and go to heaven one day because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's the question that remains. Here's the question. If the blood of Jesus is that essential, then how am I saved from my sins by the blood of Jesus? But well, what can I do? Is there anything that I can do that my sins be washed away, cleansed by His blood? Well, somebody says, don't you think, Brother Lambert, that we're saved when we just believe in Jesus? In other words, aren't, aren't we saved by, by faith alone? Now, please listen carefully. I'm not going to say anything that's deep and hard to understand. It's going to be very simple. I just want us to make sure that we understand. Faith in Christ is essential. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, in John 8, 24, Jesus said, If you believe not that I am He, that is the Christ, you'll die in your sins. So it's essential. But, but as mental ascent to faith in Christ, all one must do in order to be saved. Is that the case? Now, I'm aware of the fact that, that uh, many people believe that having faith in Jesus Christ is all there is to being saved. You just believe on the Lord, accept the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and then you're going to be saved from all of your sins. Is that how we come in contact with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? I want you to be turning in your Bible to the second chapter of James. We want to look at a few passages of here. In James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, James from this 
passage down to the verse 26 is talking about faith and works. Now listen to verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and does not have works? Can faith save him? So can faith save a man if he's not, his faith is not accompanied by works? Now verse 17. Even so faith if it has not works, is dead. There's such thing as dead faith, you see. Being alone, that is faith alone. Now, verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Why, what was Abraham doing when he offered his son upon the altar? He did it by faith, but what was he doing? You say, well, he was doing what God told him to do. In other words, he was obeying God. That's exactly right. Now, verse 22. Seeing see then how that works wrought with his, faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Abraham's faith was perfected. It became a saving faith, if you will, by his doing what God told him to do. And it saved his son's life that day. And the faith that saves is a faith that is perfected by obedience to God. Now look at verse 26. Or verse 24, rather. You see then how that by works, that's obedience, a man is justified and not by faith only. I would be hard-pressed to stand before you because one day I'm going to stand before God and to affirm that we are saved by faith apart from works of obedience. Well, truthfully, the Bible even teaches that faith is a work. John 6 and verse 28 says, How shall we work the works of God? And then verse 29 says, This is the work of God, that we believe on Him whom He has sent. You see, in James 2 and verse 19, he said, you believe that there's one God, you're doing well. The devils believe and tremble. See, even the devils believe and tremble. Now, what did the Holy Spirit mean when James was inspired to write and say, we are not saved by faith only? He just simply meant, we're not saved by faith only. Well, someone says, well, isn't it by repeating some kind of a prayer? I hear preachers on, uh, saying, why don't you come forward and, and you repeat this prayer with me? Well, what, 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 is it, what about that, Brother Lambert? Well, first of all, that's foreign to the New Testament. Well, someone says, well, they saw, saw, call that calling on the name of the Lord. We are to call on the name of the Lord. Acts 2.21 says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You, you, when you call on the name of the Lord, the authority of Christ, when you call on His authority and you respect His authority, then you're going to be saved. And on the day of Pentecost, when the people called on the name of the Lord and did what Peter told them to do, they were saved. Well, someone says, well, what did he tell them to do? To repent and to be baptized. And about 3,000 were baptized that day. But think about the expression, shall be saved, in Acts 2.21. That same expression is in Mark 16.16. 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Things that are equal to the same thing are equal to each other. 
to call on the name of the Lord and to believe on Christ, to repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ, and to be baptized is to call on the name of the Lord. We contact Jesus' blood when we comply with the terms of pardon that are written and outlined and given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We must obey the gospel of Christ. Paul wrote to the people in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15 and said, you've obeyed the gospel, you're saved by it. Well, what did those people do to be saved by the gospel? Acts 18, 8. Many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. We obey the gospel and are saved from our sins when we believe on Christ, repent of our sins, confess our faith in Christ, and we're baptized into Christ. You cannot, you cannot have your sins forgiven and have peace and hope and go to heaven without the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an essential, absolutely essential. And I would urge you, if you have never obeyed the gospel, to consider it seriously. Let me read a passage to you from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God, and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We obey the gospel according to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 7. When we're buried with Christ in baptism, baptized into His death, and we arise from that watery grave to walk in the newness of life. Jesus shed His blood in dying, and we're baptized into His death and come by faith in contact with that blood that washes and cleanses us of our sins. You see, that's one of life's essentials. Apart from the shedding of blood, there's no remission. We cannot be forgiven without the blood of Jesus Christ. And I would urge you to obey the gospel because it's God's power to save. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Now in the closing moments, I want to give you a personal invitation to visit the church of Christ in your community. Let me urge you to visit at your earliest convenience. If you're not certain where it's located, get in touch with us and we'll tell you the location of the Church of Christ in your community. And also right now, before we close, let me urge you to call for the Bible course or if you prefer, you can take the course online. But whatever you do, study the Bible course. It will help you get to get to know your Bible. Thank you for watching today, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.